This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Julia. Hi, Julia. Welcome. Hello. Lovely to be here. So good to see you. So um, why don't you kind of back me up and tell you, where did it all start for you? Where did your, your drinking career begin? <laughs> okay, so um, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm from England, I'm from the north of England to be exact. And um, I grew up in a, a small town just kind of on the Scottish borders. So right kind of out in the middle of nowhere, really. And um, I um, started drinking like most people do, really, as a teenager, out with friends, out at parties when I was about 14, 15. And then <clears throat> I think I was always kind of, I was always kind of a bit of more like a binge drinker really. And um, I was always kind of the one who'd maybe have sort of no off switch. I was always the one who'd maybe take it a little bit too far and was having to be looked after at the end of the night, that kind of thing. So I think I, right from, right from the start, really, I, um, I was always a bit of a kind of messy drinker, if you like. And then, um, it, but it kind of went on and it was, not my drinking wasn't really for for really all of my 20s and probably my early 30s my drinking wasn't really that unusual in comparison to the people around me so though it worried me to the extent that um you know I'd have if I had a a fall on a night out or if I had um kind of memory loss the next day and I couldn't remember what what had happened the night before I would start I would feel quite a lot of anxiety about that and kind of wonder have that kind of am I an alcoholic and have sort of those thoughts going through my mind but um I could I, it was always far too easy for me to um to kind of look around me and, and I see other people and see my peers doing you know pretty much the same thing so it was kind of I'd have then I'd have that reassurance so then I'd carry on and then you know the cycle would, would carry on and I would I would end up in that that situation again and um what I found as I got older and certainly as I got into my early 30s was that I started getting a really negative impact on my mental health from drinking alcohol and um, in particular um, I would feel extremely depressed probably not just the day after but also for kind of several days after I'd Mm. had a a big night out with with friends and um, that kind of went on for a few years in my early 30s and then I had my children I had my children quite late in life I had my eldest when I was 36 and my little one when I was 39 and that kind of was a bit of a watershed for me really because um I um I went from still being kind of sort of this sort of extended adolescence in the sense of um going out with friends getting really drunk right up until my kind of mid-30s and then suddenly became a mum and that wasn't compatible with my lifestyle really anymore and that was when and I think prior to that I'd not really drunk at home that much because I'd always been quite aware of my lack of an off switch I'd always been so you know if I had a night in I would generally just have a cup of tea or whatever I wouldn't sit in with a bottle of wine by myself because I knew that once I started I would generally drink the whole bottle at least and you know so that kind of changed when I had my kids because then the big nights out weren't really happening so much anymore and that is when I started drinking wine at home a lot more and between having my now six-year-old and my now three-year-old that was when the um, bottles of wine started creeping up and it, it never got to anything particularly concerning but I think it was concerning 
for me because it wasn't something I'd ever done previously. And then after I had my um, little girl who's now three, um, I had postnatal depression and um, ended up sort of using wine as kind of a, a crutch with that. And that was when the wheels started to, to come off a little bit really. And I, I, I also had moved house when she was three months old, closer to some of my old friends. And so the opportunities to actually go out and kind of binge drink again were, were suddenly there, even though I've, you know, obviously had these, now I had these two children. So, so that's kind of where I ended up really. So when I was 39, I was, uh, no, sorry, I was actually 40, but it was two, uh, my, I had my last drink two days after my 40th birthday. It was the, the last time I went out drinking was my, um, my 40th birthday night out, which was the day after my 40th. So my sobriety date is two days after my 40th birthday. That's so great. That's so awesome. Um, I had very similar with postpartum. I mean, I, I felt like it was funny. Did you have postpartum with your earlier kids? I think I, I think I did. And it was never diagnosed, though, with my six-year-old. And I think because I think it was harder to spot in a way because I wasn't happy where we were living. So I, I, even though I felt dreadful, there were kind of reasons for that. I could kind of put it down to what was happening in my life so um so yeah but it was a lot because we'd moved to this area where which I love and I you know I still live here now and and it's great and um you know I, it was more noticeable that I was still feeling bad and that I, you know I didn't know why and um yeah it was when my my little one was five months old and she she had a bit of a sleep regression and and then I I think I'd already been feeling quite low and then the sleep deprivation just really sent me over the edge and that was when they the, the health visitor, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you call them that in, in the US, but the, uh, the, the nurse who kind of supports new mums, um, she, um, she suggested that I go and see my, my GP because she thought that I might have postnatal depression. And in a strange way, it was starting the antidepressants that actually prompted me to stop drinking, not because it made me not want alcohol, but because it, they actually made me want alcohol more. So I actually found myself drinking more after I started taking the tablets. And that was when I think that was when, as I said, the, the wheels started to come off a bit because of that. And I think I got, I think maybe what the antidepressants did was they stopped me worrying about it so much. So then it would just be kind of, oh, it's Wednesday. I've had a hard day, a glass of wine here and a glass of wine there. And it, it kind of started to, to really ramp up. And then I, the, um, the night of my 40th birthday celebration was the, it, it was, well, it, it was the second time that I'd blacked out and not been able to remember since I'd become a mum, but it was the first time that I did what I, I used to do quite regularly before I had children, which was carry on drinking on my own when I got home from the night out. And I'd kind of always said to myself, as long as I'm not doing that as a mum, it's okay. And then when I woke up, two days after my 40th birthday and, and looked down and I saw that there was a glass of wine on the floor and that I'd obviously carried on drinking when I got home. I, it just terrified me. It absolutely terrified me. And I just, I knew then that I had to, um, to do something different. And that was kind of when your book came, came into my life and, um, and yeah, the rest is sort of history really. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting because I have not found like really, um, anything really concrete yet, but I know there is some, I've heard through the grapevine of some research about, you know, antidepressants and drinking and how they, they can, they can accelerate it. And, and my, my journey is, is so similar because it was after the birth of my second son and I got on all of these medications. Um, and it was like, they, one of them specifically, Wellbutrin, 
you were not supposed to drink on it, of course, but like, it's like the doctor says, here's the rules and here's the real rules. It, it's fine. Mm. Right. Like I know it says it on, but it's like insurance, like it's fine. Like, so it wasn't ever a, my doctor saying don't drink on it. It was just like the technical like jargon on the bottle, which yeah. probably is there for a reason. But um, because if your doctor's not telling you, then you're, you don't even question it. But yeah, well, you, same. My, doc, my doctor said nothing about not drinking either with them. <laughs> right. And then, so what happened with me is that, um, yeah, all sorts of things. But one of the things that happened is I stopped feeling the alcohol quite as much with the antidepressant. Mm. Like I, it took me a lot more drinking to get drunk and so, or to even feel it at all. And part of it was my tolerance was increasing, but I think now looking back on it, I think part of it was also the antidepressant, like it was a counteracting mm. thing. And so I was drinking so much in quantity that I was feeling much worse physically the next day. And, mm. and it really did spiral. Um, that being said, I, I really do credit antidepressants for getting me to a mental place where I could even consider not drinking though, because mentally I was not even in a place where I could consider that until mm -hmm. I'd been on antidepressants for a few years and really felt, you know, more mentally stable. Mm -hmm. Although my drinking was like you say off the rails. And then interestingly from there, so it was like this, this chicken egg, chicken egg, like yeah. the antidepressants like had the drinking exacerbate, which then had me actually think about stopping. And by the way, now the antidepressants gave me kind of the mental fortitude to think about stopping. Mm -hmm. Then I stopped. And by the time I was a year alcohol free, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I want or need this anymore because it does numb you. And I decided mm -hmm. I really wanted to, to feel everything as long as it wasn't too bad. I was never opposed to going back onto them, but I wanted to see if I could work with my doctor to not be on them. And then now, mm -hmm. like I did end up getting off of them all through that journey, but it, it took a very long time and I was very careful and never from a fact of like, I think it's wrong or I, I don't want to be on it just from a, for me, I could feel that my highs weren't as high and my lows weren't as low. I remember having moments mm -hmm. where I was like, I know I should be upset right now and I don't feel anything, you know, and it wasn't that I wanted to feel upset, but I didn't want to not feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that I'm, I think I'm still on that journey. I do still take them, but um, I have sort of hormonal issues that I'm now dealing with the joys of being a woman in your forties. So, and, and I've always kind of had, had that with them um, kind of premenstrual ups and downs and what have you so I'm I'm still um, I'm still kind of going through that at the moment so I think and what my kind of I, I am conscious of that and um, I am kind of I can say I can definitely see a point in time where I can definitely be coming off them now which is great and there's no way that if I'd not stopped drinking there's no way I'd be anywhere near to that point yeah and I and I don't think it's it's bad to take them either like I don't I, I think they did so much good in my life. I just feel like, you know, that was my journey. That's where it left me. And it was just ironic how I think every single step actually was preceded by, you know, or in, even in, initiated by the last, the last step mm -hmm. in the journey, which is, which is cool to see in hindsight. Um, so then, you know, will you say the rest was history? Tell us about that <laughs> a little bit more. Was it just like, okay. So, um, I think I, when I woke up that morning and I, um, I woke up because my, um, well, first of all, I woke up on the sofa downstairs and I still had my contact lenses in. I looked down, I saw the glass of wine. I um, was, was still wearing my clothes, still had my makeup on. And I just thought, oh my goodness. And, and kind of went, went up to bed, just completely so ashamed. So just felt so, so awful. And um, went up to bed, slept for a couple of hours. And then my then nine month old, who's now three, woke up and, and cried and needed to be fed. And I had to breastfeed her. And I knew 
that I shouldn't be breastfeeding her. I knew I probably still had far too much alcohol in my system, but she needed to be fed. I didn't have any milk stored. So, so, and I just, I remember just sitting there thinking, this is, this is it. You've got to do something about this. This is not the kind of mother that you want to be. It's not, it's just not what your girls deserve. And um, so then that was all I knew. I just knew I couldn't carry on. I had no idea what I was going to do about it. And I hadn't even at that point thought I want to be sober. I wasn't thinking I have to quit drinking. I just thought I need to get a hold of this. And that was what, <clears throat> that was actually how I found your book because it's because of the subtitle control alcohol. I think I had actually Googled control alcohol because that was what I wanted to do. And um, when I, so I found your book and I, and I ordered it, I'm quite old school. So I ordered a paper copy from Amazon. And, and so I had a couple of days waiting for it to arrive, but I didn't drink during those couple of days, mainly because I was horrifically hungover and, and depressed and just kind of reeling from the whole thing really. And then as soon as it, as soon as it arrived, I, I dived into it straight away. And literally by the time I'd finished the introduction, it had such a powerful effect on me because I think for me, what it was, was I'd spent all this time worrying about being an alcoholic. I spent all this time going round and round in my mind. Am I an alcoholic? Do I have to stop drinking? And always kind of coming to the conclusion, no, you're not an alcoholic because here are X, Y, and Z reasons why you don't tick all these boxes for being an alcoholic. So therefore you can keep drinking and all is marvelous. And I never really properly thought about what is the alcohol doing to my brain? And um, it was just the, the sentence in your book that just, I just remember I was, I'm, I'm sat actually on, on my bed now talking to you and I was sat on, on this bed reading your book and I just read this sentence, alcohol is addictive and, and I had become addicted, I think you said, and I just thought, oh my goodness me. And it was just, I, I, you know, I, I, all my sort of sober friends that I've made since, they kind of laugh at me because I, I talk about your book all the time and I recommend it to everyone. And, um, but it was like, the film the matrix so i call it my kind of matrix moment because it was literally it was like that moment where you realize everything's backwards and you realize that what you thought was the case actually is completely wrong and it's it's totally the other way around so um so i had a really good your your book gave me such a wonderful starting point for my sober journey because i think it was a, it wasn't until i actually finished the book that i thought yeah i'm really going to give full sobriety a go i think as I was reading it, I was still thinking, oh, maybe I could just drink at this time and that time, but then I'd get to your chapter on whatever it was, and I'd think, oh, okay, I don't need to drink then either. <laughs> and um, yeah, so by the time I got to the end of the book, I had also had the good fortune to find online the website Soberistas, which has been set up by Lucy Rocker. Um, it's, uh, we're, we're, we have members from all over the world, but, but it's primarily UK and it's primarily ladies, although we do have some guys as well. And um, there's about 60,000 members now, I think. And um, we had, and I'd made some amazing friends through that website and some, some you know, the, still my friends now. And just suddenly had this, as well as having the, um, the kind of the mindset shift that your book gave me, I also had this community of all these amazing women who were going through the exact same thing. And, and I think the combination of those two things was so powerful because I'd spent all this time feeling very alone with my worries about drinking and <clears throat> to suddenly find out that, that there were literally hundreds of thousands of people going through the exact same thing. It was just quite mind blowing really. And it's, you know, and I, it was by the time I was, I'd say nine, 10 months sober, I really had lost all desire to drink. And <clears throat> so good. Um, yeah. I, 
I love, so I just read the book, um, We Are the Luckiest by Laura McCowan. I don't know if you'd have a chance to read that, but. I've, I've read it, yeah, it's wonderful. It's so good. And she describes this whole paradigm in, in such a cool way. She basically says like, she has a chapter called The Wrong Damn Question. And in that question, she goes like, the question, am I an alcoholic? Like, it's the wrong question because, um, let's play out the two scenarios, right? Let's play out the question. Like you, you find the answer and it says, no, you're not an alcoholic, which is what happened to you and I for years and years and years, right? No, you're not an alcoholic. Okay. Good for you. But, but it never says that's it. Like that's the end of the story. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll just carry on. And, and you just keep trying to push away. You feel relief and you're glad, but then you just keep trying to push away this nagging inner voice that says, wait a second, something's not right here. Something's wrong. There's, there's too much. It's too frequent. It's not making you feel good. Like this isn't your best self. This isn't your best, you know, you're not showing up as the best mom, not showing up as the best wife, not showing up as the best partner, like whatever. Um, and so, but, but you push away cause you're not an alcoholic mm-hmm. or it says you're an alcoholic. And so you're like, okay, now you get to have this label that you carry around for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and you get to, you know, really try to, um, you know, find your way through like meetings and, and you say, okay, well, alcoholics go to AA. So that's where I have to go, even though it might not work for you. And like, or it might not be like where you want to spend your time or whatever, like either way, like you don't, the, the question doesn't actually bring you to where you want to be. And she goes like the, the question we should be asking is just like, is this good enough? Like, yeah. is this good enough? Right? Like, am I mm-hmm. happy? You know, could it be better? And, exactly. and that whole fear-based question kind of aside. And I, I love that chapter and how she, mm. how she describes it. It's just so Yeah, cool. I do. And actually the blog that that chapter is based on was something I read quite early on in, in my sobriety. I'd already stopped drinking, but it was another, it was another kind of chink in the armor, really. It was another, um, well, not chink in the armor, another, another bit of the armor that kind of, I remember reading it and I've sent it to a lot of people since I stopped drinking because it's, it just sums it up so beautifully because I was for for all of my years that I drank I knew there was something wrong like you say with with how I drank and the priority I put on it and how and how it affected me and I I knew it wasn't aligned with my best self but I was so terrified at the bare idea of having to identify as an alcoholic I just it just felt so not me and and again I don't think there's anything wrong with calling yourself an alcoholic I think that if people find it helpful and and that's part of their recovery I think that's great and if that works for them but for myself I just it just really was so off-putting and it just felt like more shame and I already felt like so ashamed of the way that I drank and I just couldn't face the thought of having to go and take on this label that felt all the kind of all the more shameful and I think reading your book and finding soberistas it just flipped everything on its head because I thought actually I think it's um to quote another sobriety writer who I love I think it's Holly Whitaker who says that it's not a sad consequence it's a proud choice and that's what I learned was that's as suddenly I found this world of sobriety where it could be a proud choice and it could just be literally this is how my life works and that's kind of basically what I say to people now when they when they ask me about it I say my life works better if I don't drink yeah, it's so good. Um, I just, that blog was called, I think it's called Am I an Alcoholic by Laura McCallum. We'll put the link in the show notes, but yeah, it's just so, so great how it paints out those, those two scenarios. And, and I feel like that reframe, I mean, that's the whole crux of it, right? It's like just looking at things that, that we've held really subconsciously. And, and by subconsciously, I mean, without, like, we believe them to be true. We believe it to be true. 
like we believe, you know, snow is cold and it's just how it is. And for me, it was this idea that like, if, if you have a problem with alcohol, you're an alcoholic. And I think that's one of the subconsciously held beliefs society has that is probably one of the most foundationally dangerous when it comes to alcohol, right? Because it, it means that we're not questioning it as a whole. Um, so it's, it's just great to like, there's just more voices to talk about, talk about this, um, which is so helpful. So um, I want to ask you sort of, well, first of all, is there, is there any other parts of the journey that, that you kind of want to talk through or things that you find significant? Um, well, only, is it okay if I mention my book briefly? Of course, please do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was a big part of the journey for me was blogging on Soberistas and, um, and as time went on, as well as saying supportive things, people started saying kind of complimentary things about my writing and saying that it was helpful and, and that I'd kind of got a good perspective on things that people found found helpful and I think a lot of that came from my sort of very kind of positive slant on it and that I had taken on this I'd had I'd been so lucky to get this mindset shift whereby I was really loving the journey and I'd, I'd grown to love being sober and to be really proud of being sober so as time went on I started pulling some of my blogs together into a, a manuscript and then last October I self-published it on Amazon and it is called Sober Positive so I, um, I managed to um, kind of get get it out into the world and it's and it's been brilliant I've had so much lovely feedback about it it's just been amazing I'm just it still feels quite surreal to be quite honest I still feel quite kind of blown away that and particularly when I um I ordered it and it kind of arrived and it's like it's an yeah. actual book it's an actual paper book that I can hold in my hands it was just just incredible and I kind of I made the decision to self-publish I think sort of for a similar reason in a way that you did that I just wanted to get it out into the world I had you know I'd approach some agents and I didn't get anything from the kind of my first round of, of approaching people which I didn't expect to and and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to get it out there because, you know, I don't have a big platform in any way on social media or anything. I've got nothing to kind of, to get a publisher interested at the moment, but I've got this message that sober is great, that it can really work for some people. And I just really wanted to get it out there. So, so it is, it's out there. <laughs> so awesome. Um, so that's Sober Positive by Julia Carson. Mm -hmm. We'll put that link yeah. in the, in the um, show notes also. And it's just, Thank you so much. it's just so great because um, yeah, like, I love the just idea of having something tangible and you're like, okay, you want to know, here's, here's the thing, here's, here's how it is. So that's, that's just so beautiful. So Julia, let me ask you um, kind of the question that I, that I always ask, but what would you tell your past self about what life is like for you now, kind of on the other side of this? Oh my goodness. Um, I think the first thing I would tell her is that she has absolutely no idea how strong she is because I felt so weak and frightened and, I just, I didn't feel strong enough for the journey. And it was as I progressed along the path that my strength grew and grew and grew and was bolstered by all the amazing people I've met along the way and everything I've learned from the, the everybody who's, you know, everyone who's written about sobriety, yourself included. And um, <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's just finding the kind of, the community that I've found since I stopped drinking has been such a powerful thing really and I think that kind of realization that I was never alone I think that's I would want to, to say to my past self that you, you're not alone and so many people are going to help you and you're going to help other people and you will get through this together and that 
life on the other side of stopping drinking is nothing like you think it's going to be. I was so convinced that it was going to be this boring grey kind of half-life almost that I was never going to have any fun, that I was going to lose all my friends that, and just none of that's happened. Not one thing of that has happened and there have been changes, but they have all been really positive. Even there's been changes that at first glance, you might not think are positive relationships that have ended, but even they, you know, I know I'm on the right path for me in every way now. And it's, it's just not, none of it would have ever happened if I'd carried on drinking. No, so good. So good. I love that so much. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way, even, you know, years down the road, it's, it's interesting. Like you can still, if you focus on it, you can still feel just so much gratitude that life took this turn and this trajectory and didn't carry on how yeah. it was going, which was That's not it. a pretty place. I think my, my sobriety now, it just always feels like this rock underneath me. It's this like foundation that, if, you know, it's, if I've got nothing else, I've got that. And it just makes me feel kind of safe and secure and that, you know, that I can, I can cope, I can be okay. And what that is, I mean, I, I think really because sobriety is a funny concept because sobriety is actually just living how we were created to live, right? Like sobriety is, is literally just how we were born. We, we were born sober. <laughs> yeah. Spend our childhood sober, hopefully, um, you know, <laughs> most of us. Yeah. And like it's, and, and so for me, you saying that that is a rock I think it's so true, but I think that the foundation of that, the crux of that rock is just, you trust yourself. Your relationship yeah. with Julia is really rock solid. Like it's, it's yeah. really foundational. And I think if, if your relationship with yourself is good and is where it should be, then yeah, it, do, it feels like you're moving through life in a totally different thing. And, um, and I don't think anything destroys our relationships with ourselves more than making promises that we, we don't feel like we can keep because of the addictive mm. nature of a drug, namely alcohol in this case, but any drug really. Um, and I feel like that coming to, to trust ourselves little by little, coming to really know ourselves again, yeah, it, it feels like the launching off place for, for really the whole thing, which is so cool. Yeah, definitely. And I think what I love as well is that I think when, when I drank, I was kind of living my life in this little loop of kind of just, just kind of going round and round. And I don't just mean the drinking hungover, but also I was just always getting in my own way with everything. But now my life just kind of builds on itself and keeps moving forward. So I just, I'm kind of excited to see where it's going to take me next, I suppose. So there's, there's that aspect of it as well, that I feel like it's kind of set me free to live the life I always should have been living all along, really. Because like you say, this is how, how we should be. It's how we were born. And because of the way that alcohol affected me, I, it was just holding me back so much and getting in my own way. And I think I always knew it, but I, I could never, because we're told by society that we should be able to drink moderately, whatever that means, and that we should be able to handle it and incorporate it into a healthy, happy life. And for me, it was impossible. The way for me to have a healthy, happy life was it had to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Me too. And it, you don't see it when you're in it. I thought it was the key, mm. you know, it's, yeah. su it's such a 180. Okay. I mean, it literally is such a, a shift from like, wow, the thing that I thought was helping is really the thing that actually is the, the cause of, yeah. of the harm, <laughs> right? Totally, don't totally. Drink. 
So, well, Julia, it's been really a pleasure. Um, and again, Julia Carson, the book Sober mm -hmm. Positive, so good. So go get a copy. It has phenomenal reviews on Amazon. It is. Um, and I just- Thank was, you so much, Annie. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your story. And it's been wonderful to speak to you. Yeah, you too. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Did you miss this Naked Mind Live? And do you maybe have a little bit of FOMO? But don't worry, I've got you covered. In fact, I had the entire event professionally recorded and it's available digitally. Transformation in your living room. Yep, that is what it's all about. You can grab your digital ticket at thisnakedmind.com forward slash digital ticket. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.